to connect in community in these towers. My wife and I are moving into a high-rise tower and uh, we're looking forward to the opportunity of finding the way to connect the gospel with people through those communities. Um, it's true that they are locked communities, but um, people are finding ways to share personally, directly, face-to-face and create communities in those spaces. And then to be blessed with the testimony this evening, the beautiful singing, which I have so much appreciated, haven't you? And then the item from our brother Neville. What, what a blessing. We can see the Spirit of God is, is moving um, over, this, over this camp um, because I, I believe that this vision of being a movement of growing disciples. And you remember I've spoken about a disciple a number of times, the definition out of the epistles that the South Pacific Division is working with, and I think our fields are working with, is a disciple as a person who's growing more and more like Jesus in every way, every day. And that means, of course, we will take up the mission of Jesus to be disciple-makers, uh, Jesus came into this world, time of preparation. And after that time of preparation, he could commence his ministry, anointed by the Holy Spirit, baptized by the Holy Spirit, with the simple invitations that we shared last evening. Come and see, follow me, fish with me, sacrifice with me, love your enemies and receive the Holy Spirit. Those are the only five invitations that Jesus shared in making disciples. That's how he made disciples. That's how he developed a movement. And Christ's method alone will be effective in finishing the work of multiplying disciples and preparing people for the return of Jesus Christ the second time. Now, with all of these ideas that are floating around, um, we want to talk this evening about the training that Jesus gave to his disciples, the training that he gave to his apostles, and the training that he gave to uh, the 72 or the 70 in the last months of his ministry. And we see that his training could be summed up in, in a concept that is quite revolutionary, if you stop and think about it. It's summed up with the concept of eat their food. Eat their food. Jesus' method of evangelism was not confrontational. Jesus' method of evangelism was not bland, give up, it's impossible to work in our 21st century. Jesus' method of evangelism was not accommodating. That's why I wrote the book Following Jesus. Walks through the story of Jesus and you can see the whole story of Jesus in sequence, as you follow through Messiah or Desire of Ages as well, we encourage you to use this in your prayer meetings. Some churches, they have asked all the elders to work through this, and then once a week or once a fortnight, the elders meet together for just 30 minutes on a Sabbath morning and discuss what did you find that would be of great value to your life and to the life of our church. Denominational officers have worked through this. Officers of other Christian churches have worked through this. Pastors of other churches have been working through this as 
the, the source book of their sermons. And that's why we wrote Following the Spirit, which works through the book of Acts, looking at how the early believers replicated, actually just replicated what Jesus had told them to do and what he had modelled, his method, Christ's method alone. And we encourage you also to work through this in small groups, in prayer meetings, uh, leadership meetings, conference staff, etc. Because you see, a point that I want to make this evening is God is calling us all to be disciple makers. In fact, did you know, Ellen White actually says that all of those who believe are to be involved in church planting. Did you know that? Ellen White says, all who believe are to be involved in church planting. Because you see, as you get involved in the joyous, the exciting, the wonderful role of making disciples as Jesus made disciples, you come alive spiritually. And there's something else that Sister White said. She said, as people become new believers, they are to be gathered into new churches. Now, I've been planting churches for 49 years. And my wife and I have been involved in planting about 25 Adventist churches ourselves and helping train and equip church planters that have planted probably five to 6,000 Adventist churches around the world. But that is not what brings us alive. It's actually involved in making disciples and gathering people. And Although I've been involved in church planting for a long time, it took me a long time to realize that Alan White actually says, as people become new believers, don't put them into existing churches, gather them into new groups. Because as they're gathered into new groups, they will be involved. They will participate. They will get involved. In, because in our established churches, there's already people caring for things. Now, you'll find that as you multiply groups out of a church, your home church or the mother church or the, the hub church will actually grow and multiply as well. And I'm not talking about big numbers. I've pastored churches of five or six or ten people, and you can relate to that. I've cared for churches of 20 uh, or 25, and you can relate to that. So when I talk about multiplying, when I talk about movements, I'm not talking about thousands of people. I'm talking about movements who are sharing faith in their neighborhoods, people who are sharing faith with their families, etc. And so we encourage you to take these books and to use them as you read the Scriptures and look at the method of Jesus. Now, as we've worked together and, and as we've talked together over these last few days and I've listened to um, the workshops and, and uh, seen and discussed with you what is happening, this particular topic is really significant because I want to share with you this evening how to connect with people, how to shift that contact with a neighbour into a spiritual discussion how to shift the contact through giving food on the street or working with an ADRA project or a justice project. I want to show you how to shift that to a spiritual kind of journey where you're starting on the journey of making disciples. I want to show you Jesus' approach to equipping and training and connecting. And so what we're going to do this evening, we're going to talk about our neighbours and our friends as we look at this commission for all of us, therefore go. 
And as you are going, Jesus is saying, go and as you are going, make disciples of all relational streams. You're in a relational stream. That might be your family. It might be at the gym. It might be in your office. It might be at the nurse station. It might be at the university where you lecture. It might be in your classroom. It might be in the neighborhood of the farm where you work. It might be in the mechanics workshop. It might be in the building site. We are all in relational streams. Isn't that right? We all have relational connections. Our ethnic. And Jesus said, go and as you're going into the workplace, wherever you are, make disciples of all in your relational streams, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Now, if you look at that passage of Scripture, you'll see some things are back to front. Because what we do is we study, 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 study with people, finally baptize them, then they sit. So we do all the teaching before a person is baptized. And then when a person is baptized, we, we kind of often forget about them. Jesus said, make disciples, baptize them. And remember, baptism in the New Testament is not just by water, it's baptism by the Holy Spirit, which Neville spoke about and sang about this evening. And we're going to speak about that tomorrow evening the importance of the anointing and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which was a major theme in early Adventism. Major theme. So we're going to get back to our roots and talk about the Holy Spirit tomorrow evening. and Talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them all the things that I have shown you. What had Jesus been teaching? Every story in the Gospels, and there's about 183 of them. Every single story in the Gospels is about disciple making. You look at it carefully. Every single story, Jesus is demonstrating how to equip people for the Father's kingdom. He's making disciples. So Jesus says, lead people to be disciples. Yes, there'll be some teaching in that too, so that people actually know who Jesus is and they can follow him. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey all that I've told you about how to be disciple makers. So as you journey through the story of Jesus, you learn how he was connecting, how he's relating, how he is interacting with people and leading people to God, into God's kingdom. In the book of Acts, you see how the early believers did the same. They were disciple-making. So how do we connect with our neighbors? How do we connect with our friends? When we published and launched the book, Following Jesus, I was absolutely delighted. And I can show you this picture of my neighbor because I've taken the picture of him and asked him whether I can show it around. And uh, this is our neighbor, Sean. And... Uh, and our neighbours, of course, knew that I was writing books. They know that I write books. They know what we do because we spend time eating with them, talking with them, visiting with them. We would hardly have to eat at home if we didn't want to. We have to guard a bit of space so we can actually eat at home sometimes because we get invited so many times. And that's what we're going to talk about this evening. So Sean and his, and his uh, wife, Gashani, they were asking, as our other neighbours, when is this book going to be, be launched? And finally, I found it's going to be at Lilydale Adventist Church on a Sabbath morning on the other side of the city, an hour and a quarter away from where we live. So I said to our neighbours, no, 
it's, it's not going to work. You know, Saturday morning is a busy time for you. You're working. It's on the other side of the city. It's in the Seventh-day Adventist church. And uh, Sean said, we'll try to come. I didn't expect them to come, but Sean and his father and his mother turned up at the Seventh-day Adventist church. They're Buddhists. First time inside an Adventist church. And the first ones to receive a copy of following Jesus. Each of our neighbours were excited to receive a copy of following Jesus and a copy of following the Spirit. The book Following the Apostles' Vision has only just come out and I haven't seen the neighbours since it was launched. But we will talk, we're talking with them, we're texting, we're talking to them on the phone. How do we connect with our neighbours and with our friends? How do we connect with our work associates? Now I share this story, I, I want you to know that, that it's important that you know that that Judy and I do connect with our neighbours in our relational streams. Because it is not possible for me to talk with you or any pastor to talk with you about disciple-making or any leader of the church, whether division president, IT person or treasurer or secretary or publishing director, it's not possible for anybody to talk about disciple-making if they're not making disciples themselves. Simply not possible. Every single secretary, every accountant, every IT person, every teacher, every, every departmental assistant, every director, every, every president at union, at division, at general conference must be reading the Word of God with their neighbours. I say that clearly and courageously, but we cannot be a movement by just talking being a movement. Every single person is a disciple maker. We're not called to warm pews. We're not called to occupy offices. We are called to make disciples. And it's a joyful privilege. It's not a burden. It's what Jesus did. And it's what Jesus invites us to do. Sometimes, because we've made evangelism so professional and we've made it the role of somebody who can stand on a stage and parade up and down in front of slides and all that type of thing we kind of think well we can't do that and we can't all do that I've done that for years but we can't all do that and so we have this army of believers and you're missing out on the opportunities so let's be really practical this evening and talk about how to connect to start with. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter, Luke chapter 10. And we're going to look at the basic concepts behind this little book. If you can eat, you can make disciples. Can you eat? Do you enjoy eating? Right? Do you enjoy eating? Right? I can see some people here are really involved in evangelism because I can see that there's been a lot of eating. That's good, right? Okay, um, so we're going to turn to Luke chapter 10. Now, we won't have time to read the whole story. This is really bad. Because, you know, we shouldn't read Luke chapter 10 without reading from verse 1 to verse 24. You shouldn't really read Luke chapter 10 without starting at chapter 1, verse 1, and reading right through. I'm, I think you're getting that message. We need to read verses in their context. But let's have a look at the story and we'll bounce through the last section. Now, 
I'm not sure how the light is uh, for some of you, but it's not too good. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to do Discovery Bible Reading. And in Discovery Bible Reading, you're in a little group. There might be a family with kids. might be your neighbours. It might be a work associate at lunchtime. And you're reading through the Gospel of Mark to start with, or the Gospel of Luke, or whatever book of the Bible you choose to read through, Gospel of Mark is a good place to start. And you start at chapter 1, verse 1, you read the first story, and we have Bibles with headings, so we have sections, and you read a section at a time. One person reads through the section, another one reads through the section, and then one person tells the story without looking. So what we're going to do tonight, I'm going to read the story twice, and then you're going to turn to each other, create a little group of two or three, and one of you is going to tell the story to the other one in your own words without looking at the Bible. Is that fair enough? So everybody's going to be involved in some way this evening. Is everybody sitting close to somebody? You can create a group, right? If you're sitting on your own, you're not a group. You've got to be closer to somebody. So maybe here, Mike, you could turn around because there's a sister behind you and you can gather her into your group because otherwise she's on her own. That's not a group, okay? Okay, if you've got your Bible, you can follow Luke chapter 10, uh, verse 1 to start with. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others. How many of you have a Bible that says the Lord appointed 70 others? Let me see. Okay. How many of you have a Bible that says 72? Right, about 50-50. That's all right. If your Bible says 70, what it means is it is an older translation with more recent from more recent manuscripts if it says 72 it means it's a more recent translation from much older manuscripts that's all because we have half half here i'm going to say 70 sometimes and 72 other times then i won't be in trouble is that okay right doesn't change the meaning after this the lord appointed 72 others after this this was about five months before Jesus was crucified. So this is after that Feast of Tabernacles where Jesus declared that he was going to be the Messiah, the, the most significant public announcement that he made in his ministry. We'll look at that a little tomorrow evening. This is after he'd been to Jerusalem for the Feast of Tabernacles. He was in the last six months of his ministry, during which time he was mostly in the hills around Judea. Last three months he was across in pagan territory. This is just before he goes into Samaria and across into pagan territory. That's significant to keep in mind. The Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If a person of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you. The worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcome, eat what is set before you, heal the sick who are there, 
and tell them the kingdom of God is near you now. Now, as we continue on, verse 16, Jesus said, Those who listen to you, those who listen to you, listen to me. Those who reject you, reject me. And then we continue on to where the 72 or the 70 returned to tell what had actually happened. And Jesus was jumping with joy. And you have a very interesting example of conversational prayer right at the end of that story. Okay, I'm going to read the story once more. And then you're going to turn and one of you is going to tell the story to the others beside you in your own words. Ready to go? After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. And if a person of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you, heal the sick who are there, and tell them the kingdom of God is near you now. Okay, tell each other the story. I'll give you about three minutes. Okay, how'd you get on? How'd you get on telling the story in your own words? Good? Worked okay? Right? This way, in a group, you're getting the whole story into your mind, into your heart. And then in Discovery Bible Reading, we use these simple questions, these five questions. Was there anything new in the story? And we discuss it. Now, anybody can take a bookmark and work through these questions. A child in the group, a person who's not a Christian, a Hindu, a Buddhist, a non-Christian, can 
ask the questions. So immediately they become involved in the process, right? You will notice that some in telling the story um, already started to discuss various aspects of the story. Didn't just tell the story, but started to explore the story. Is that true? So by reading it twice and then telling the story, you start engaging with the story. And so you become involved in the process. Did you find anything new? Anything new? What's that? Right? Okay. Okay. That, that's an interesting, interesting point. So Jesus is indicating you don't force your foot in the door. If the people are not ready to discuss, you don't go Bible bashing and trying to force your foot into the door. Was there anything new, anything else that was new to you or anything that surprised you in this teaching? Imagine Jesus is training you. He's training you to go to be disciple makers. That's what he's doing. He's training people like the second wave of apostles. He trained 12 apostles. He trained women as apostles. Now he's training the same training that he gave to the 12 and that he gave to women, he's now giving to the 72. This is another wave, you might say, of apostles. Imagine Jesus is giving this training to you. The word apostle simply means what? Simply means sent ones. It wasn't a, it wasn't a position. It were sent ones, the ones that he sent. Okay, what was new? What surprised you? Okay, don't travel, don't carry a lot of stuff, right? Okay, that, that's really interesting. Yeah, it, it's, it's a whole lot of stuff. We always, we want to carry a lot of stuff. We want to carry cards to give to people or books to give to people or videos to give to people or links to some program or some advertising for a television program or whatever. Jesus, don't carry stuff. So you look at the story from the beginning, you see Jesus appointed these and he set them into groups. He sent them in teams. Teams were really important to Jesus. You remember when he used the word church and he only used the word church on two, two occasions, he spoke of the basic unit of church. How many people for church? Two or three gathered in his name. You don't need 20 for church. You don't need 200 for church. Two or three gathered in his name is the basic unit of church. This is a theological concept. You see, church is the body of Jesus. Church represents the Trinity. God is not singular, isolated, egocentric. God is love. And as the body of Christ, we're to reflect that. And when we go to share... We form teams. My wife and I are a team in our community. She texts people. She rings people. We're a team. In other situations, you might have your son or your daughter or a friend. Uh, but you form teams or a family. Jesus sent them as teams uh, to every town and place where he was about to go. Remember, Jesus said, when people receive you, they're receiving me. So when Judy and I go to our neighbors or we go to our friends or we connect with people, we're not just going ourselves, but we're going to where Jesus is going to go. And we're going to go to places where the Spirit is going to go with us into those environments and into those places. 
He said, the harvest is great. Jesus looked at things quite differently to us. Have you ever said, wow, Invercargill is a tough place to share faith? Have you ever said something like that? Now, I've worked in over 100 countries, teaching, disciple-making, training church planters, etc., around the world. Every single place, they tell me, Peter, you don't understand. This Iceland is the toughest place in the world. Denmark is the toughest. Israel is the toughest place. Egypt is the toughest place. Tanzania is the toughest place. Sudan is the toughest place. Congo is the toughest place. And these are tough places. But Jesus looked and said, the harvest is great. So you notice teams, places. Then he says, pray. But he didn't say, pray, God, please protect us from the dogs as we go out from place to place. He didn't say, God, please help us to know what to say. Notice that? He said, pray for more harvesters. Because there's a bigger harvest out there in Invercargill or Dunedin or Christchurch. There's a much bigger harvest than you can realize. You need to pray for more harvesters. Now that's an interesting insight, isn't it? And then you'll notice he says, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. You're going to be like lambs amongst wolves. But don't carry a lot of stuff. Put aside your preconceived ideas. Put aside all that stuff. You don't need to go worrying about what you're going to say because he gives a very simple process of connecting with people. I have to kind of move along fairly quickly because I don't want to keep you here all night. I could keep you here all night, but you can go over here and you can get this little book. If you can eat, you can make disciples. And it works right through Luke chapter 10, verses 1 to 24. And the church is committed to disciple making. You go over and talk to Pastor Frank or Pastor Kevin. And they'll talk with you about how you can get numbers of these for your churches so that everybody can work through this process that Jesus has given us. Now look at verses 8 and 9. Isn't this interesting? What is the first step of connecting? He said, Here, he said eat what is set before you. That's what he said. Eat what is set before you. Eat their food. I was talking to a pastor's wife in one country. I said, you know your neighbours? Not really well, she said. We've been here about five years. And when we first came, they rushed over and they invited us to their home for a meal. And I said, no, no, no. We'll put some food together and you come to our place for a meal. So they came for a meal. And then they came again and said, ask for a meal. And said, no, no, come to our home for a meal. So they, they came. And then we asked them again, and they said, no, 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 you've got to come to our home. I said, why didn't you go to their home? They said, they might try to feed us something that we don't eat. I said, sister, you need to go to your neighbours this week. And you need to say, you know, five years ago, you invited us to your home to eat. And we were really rude. We were so rude. We were not prepared to accept your invitation. And we're sorry. I said, I don't know whether you can heal the relationship. 
But when they invited you to their home to eat, Jesus was inviting you to the first step of evangelism. When I conduct evangelistic field schools around the world, 20 pastors, 30 pastors, 50 pastors, elders, etc., and we conduct public evangelistic meetings without a single dollar for advertising, I will not conduct evangelistic meetings and use any money. None. And yet we can have hundreds of people if we follow this journey for a couple of years with the church and prepare. We don't need to spend money. The methods of Jesus cost nothing. They cost nothing. In fact, you can save your budget because you're eating someone else's food. If you're in financial crisis, get involved in evangelism. Right? You get invited. Now, people say, it's, a, it's an Adventist question, but what if they give us something we don't eat? My wife is not celiac, but she's gluten intolerant, highly intolerant. When we get invited to any home, we say, that would be lovely. We'd love to come. Thank you. We don't say anything about gluten intolerance. My wife says, you don't have to say anything about that. We don't have to say, we don't eat pig. You don't have to say that. You go. Jesus didn't say eat everything. He didn't say eat everything on the table. Remember, there's a family there. Didn't say eat them out of house and home. Eat their food. On the table, there's some food. You choose a little of this, a little of that. And as you start to eat, this is really important. Take some food, little of the food. This looks really nice. Let's say there's some unclean food. You're big enough. You can make a decision. You don't have to eat it. Just leave it there. But don't isolate it. If they put it on your table, don't eat everything and push that to the side. Right? But today we just choose a little of this, a little of that. Isn't that right? And people ask, would you like this? Are you happy with that? And you choose just a little. And then as you take the food, you say, tell us. Tell us about yourself. Tell us about your family, mum, dad, kids. Where do you come from? Tell us about yourself. And you take the food and you put it in your mouth and you do what your mum told you to do when you were a kid. And that is when you put food in your mouth, you shut your mouth and eat. And you don't say anything. And you listen. You listen. And the people start telling you their story. And as they tell you their story... You hear of all the connections. And all you've got to do is grunt or ask a little question here and there. You don't have to eat too much. You only have to have one mouthful. And you can get the whole story. Isn't that true? And you're hearing the story. Now you are hearing of the needs. You're hearing, hearing. This brings you to the second point Jesus gave. What is it? Heal them. Heal them. First point is eat their food, listen to their story. You can't do the second thing Jesus said to do if you haven't listened to their story. You might need to listen for half an hour, for an hour. So if you're with a, a, a nurse at a nurse station, if you're at a building site, you're talking to a mate, you sit down, you start eating something, tell us. 
Tell me. The person has probably told you some things if you, as you work together. You can inquire a little bit more. You hear more. Now you know what healing is needed. And sometimes it's practical advice built around maybe the basic frame of new start. Something about nutrition. Something about exercise. Something about good water. Something about sunlight. Trust, temperance or balance or fresh air or rest or trust in God. That's not a bad acronym to have hidden in the back of your mind. So, you know, it's practical. Right? I'm talking to one of my neighbors a couple of years ago. He says, Peter, I'm in trouble. I've got gout. I said, What? Gout, he said. Oh, it's painful. This gout, it is so painful. I said, You've been drinking? Yeah, he said, I've been drinking. I said, You're a Buddhist. I'm supposed to drink. No, he said, I know. That's what my wife said. His wife heard us. She said, that's what I've been telling him. I've been telling him he's not supposed to be drinking. I said, you better stop. Your wife's going to kill you. <laughs> that was my healing message. That was my practical temperance advice. I didn't need to go into a big story about alcohol and that. I just need to, your wife is going to kill you if you keep drinking this beer. He doesn't drink now. Right? Whether it's because of my advice or our companionship or friendship or the threat of his wife, I'm not totally sure. But, you know, keep it practical, connected. That's what I'm trying to illustrate here, right? And then, then comes the opportunity as you talk through and you chat and you listen. Hey, let me tell you my story. My story is not dramatic. My story is simple. So I tell him, I grew up in a Christian home. And we had family worship in our home. Now, that's a bit strange, isn't it? Worship, each morning and evening. And, but I left home when I was 15 because there was no money. We were really poor. There was no electricity. There was no running water. There was no indoor toilets, uh, anything like that. It was really poor. So we left home. I left home when I was 15 to get work, to earn my way through school, never return home again. My mum said as I left home at 15, Peter, we've tried to train you, now it's over to you. When our boys got to 15, I said to my wife, are we ready to tell them to leave? <laughs> she thought we need to do a bit more work at that stage. But I can tell you at 15, I thought I was ready to defeat the world. I could live on my own. I didn't need mum and dad around anymore. But I, when I was 16, I was confronted with this decision. Was I going to follow the God that I'd learnt about as a kid or was I not? And I made the decision to follow God. And I say to these folks, you know, and what I've learned is that God is with me through tough times and bad. He's not a Father Christmas, but he walks with me. And I know that he's interested in you too. Because some people have some big problems they're dealing with. Anger issues, grief issues, painful issues, mental health issues, big issues. And we can say, the God I trust he walks with you too. And if the person is a good Oka Aussie and he's not interested in God, I say, I don't know whether you believe in this stuff or not, but I tell you, my God's interested. Well, I don't really believe in that, mate. Well, my God still is interested in you. And, and I, could, I could pray for you. God, please help my mate Jim here with this particular problem. Thank you very much. I don't close my eyes. I don't get into some religious language. I talk directly to the person and directly to God. And the person will sometimes say, 
What was that? Did you just pray? Yeah, that's prayer. You talk to God. Won't hurt you. Right? Relate to the culture that you're in. But Jesus gave us a simple steps. Eat their food. Heal them. Eat their food and listen. Heal them. Share your story. And then the opportunity comes to introduce the kingdom of God. You know, God's really interested in you. Would you like to know more about Jesus? We gave you a little book this evening. Have you looked at it? Discover Jesus. It's simply a printing of the Gospel of Mark, the Gospel of John, Book of Acts. Isn't that great? What a great resource. The division has just printed these. I think somewhere between quarter and half a million of these have been printed already. And they'll be available for everybody. And you put that together with a bookmark about Discovery Bible Reading. And you talk to a friend and you say, I could join you. Don't talk about giving Bible studies. People are not interested in Bible studies and you being the know-all teacher. But they're happy to read the story of Jesus with you. Just 20 pages through the Gospel of Mark. And you can give them a little book that they could read anywhere, even on the bus or the train or wherever. Or you can teach them to download it onto their phone, the Bible, so they could read the story of Jesus in the Gospel of Mark. And so you move on from sharing, but you keep, you keep engaging friendship. It's not friendship evangelism. It is relationships of trusting. You see, if you're going to be involved in friendship evangelism, you can only be friends with a small number of people. You can't be friends with a lot of people. But you can build trusting relationships with people. Friendships take time to develop. Relationships can happen within 15 minutes. Trust is what we're talking about. And you're building that relationship so that you can lead. Jesus didn't spend days with the woman at the well. He didn't spend days with the demon-possessed man on the other side of the lake. But they trusted him. It wasn't a friendship evangelism, it was a trusting, uh, authentic relationship that developed. And Jesus could build on that. And, and he had disciples who were disciple makers, who were multiplying. I, I trust that what we shared this evening is practical to you and uh, relevant. And maybe you can say, yeah, I could do that. God, I pray that through the blessing of your Holy Spirit, each of us would see that we can make disciples Jesus as you made disciples in a real world amongst our friends, our colleagues, our companions. In Jesus' name, amen. Now we're going to have some announcements and we're going to have a film of today's events and then we're prepared to have a question time. If you'd like to have some questions on this subject of if you can eat and discovery Bible reading. You don't have to stay for that. You can head off for other things, but we're going to give you the opportunity of questions tonight as well.